Welcome to Life Springs with Pastor Craig Swanby. Each week we bring you a message of hope, love, and encouragement inspired by the Word of God. At Life Springs, it's our goal to win people for Christ, train them in God's Word, and send them into the world to share the gospel. We hope today's message inspires you and encourages you. Well, good morning once again. Thank you all for being here today. We uh, are still experiencing sickness in our body. Lacey woke up this morning and proceeded to uh, empty her stomach all over the floor. <laughs> so Deborah is home with Lacey. And so uh, we prayed for her uh, before the service. Hopefully we'll pray for her again before the service ends. But. Just uh, a reminder that um, we aren't going to have Christmas Day service. Can you believe it? We're two Sundays away from Christmas. So, got your shopping done? Has anybody gotten their shopping started? <laughs> oh, good. And uh, we are going to have Wednesday night Bible study, Lord willing, and uh, the snow doesn't keep us away, but uh, we're planning on having it here this Wednesday. And of course, prayer service tonight. And uh, let's, uh, let's pray over the tithes and offerings. Lord, thank you so much for the abundance that you give every one of us here. And Lord, as an offering of love and gratitude and thanks, we give back to you, not out of compulsion, but willingly and gratefully for all that you give for us. And so, Lord, I pray for your blessing on the tithes and offerings that come into this place. We are so grateful for them, and we're so grateful for the work that you're doing in us and that you're doing through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Anything I'm missing as far as uh, announcements? Okay. Huh? Yeah, oh, thank you for reminding me. Yes. And so what... Uh, I'd like you to do is if you'd like to give towards, there's a couple families that the pastoral council and I have talked about that we'd like to bless. Please, if you're going to give to that, just put it in the offering envelope and mark it designated for, uh, um, for families. families. Yeah. And we'll know what you're talking about. And so there's a couple families that we want to bless. And, uh, so, um, just know that, uh, you have the opportunity to give towards that. Um, uh, there's one family that, uh, <laughs> it's amazing in their, in their need. And I, you know, I have found this to be very consistent amongst the poorest people <laughs> in their need, they give. And so, uh, there's a family that, that we have been blessing for about the past year that, um, co consistently goes out to the streets and gives out. They give food, they give soup and sandwiches, and they hand out things, you know, whatever they have. And so they, uh, she had contacted me this week to see if we had any extra blankets. And so we were able to give them some blankets to give out because, of course, the people they're talking to, they're cold. They're asking for blankets. And so, you know, I mean, there's always discernment that we need to have in helping the homeless because, 
we don't want to enable them to continue their condition, and yet we want to, we want to do what the Lord has compelled us to do. And um, so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just blessed that people, even in their need, are willing to give and willing to, I mean, go out on the streets in this kind of weather and, um, and bless those in need. So that's pretty cool, I think. Um, I wanted to share something with you, just a little bit of Christmas trivia before we get started. And I had it called up on my phone, and now it's gone, so now I have to look for it. So, this is, I can't remember if I shared this with you last year or not, but this is, to me, this is so fascinating. Did you know that the partridge in the pear tree represents Jesus Christ? And the two turtle doves are the Old and New Testament. The three French hens stand for faith, hope, and love. The four calling birds are the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The five golden rings recall the Torah, or the law, the first five books of the Old Testament. The six geese a-laying stand for the six days of creation. Seven swans a-swimming represent the sevenfold gifts of the Holy Spirit. Prophecy, serving, teaching, exhortation, contribution, leadership, and mercy. The eight maids a-milking are the eight beatitudes. Nine ladies dancing are the nine fruits of the Holy Spirit. Love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness, uh, gentleness, and self-control. The ten lords a-leaping are the ten commandments. The eleven pipers piping stand for the eleven faithful disciples. And the twelve drummers drumming symbolize the twelve points of belief in the Apostles' Creed. Did you know that? Had you heard that before? Isn't that cool? For years... Um, Deborah and I sang with a uh, Christmas quartet called the Merry Old Carolers. We did that for over 20 years. And I mean, we went to private parties and we went to malls and we went all over the place. That was our primary way of raising Christmas money back then. And we did quite well and uh, got to go to a lot of really cool places like private parties and mansions and things like that, that they would never invite us in on our own, but we came to sing, so uh, it was pretty nice. But anyway, I share, share all that just to say, we used to sing a song called The Twelve Days After Christmas. And I won't go through the whole thing, but just to give you a flavor, the first day after Christmas, my true love and I had a fight. And so I chopped the pear tree down and burned it just for spite. And with a single cartridge, I shot that blasted partridge my true love gave to me. <laughs> and it goes on from there. And so, uh, anyway, that was kind of a fun song. All right. We are in part three of What Child Is This? Lord Jesus, I pray for your blessing upon your word today. I pray that our hearts would be open and our ears would be open to hear. And Lord, we just pray for your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Every Christmas season brings its own unique problems. Our land of plenty drifts dangerously near insanity in about the three or four weeks up to Christmas, doesn't it? Consider these statistics. Americans will spend approximately $960 billion at retail stores this Christmas. This Christmas. The most popular gifts are gift cards, 
Thank God for gift cards. Isn't that nice? Makes Christmas shopping so much easier. What do I get that person that has everything? A gift card. They can get whatever they want. <laughs> Clothing accessories is number two. And of course, toys. The per person giving averages $832.84. I will tell you that I tend to lean more towards the $0.84 cents than the uh, $800. So if you're expecting any great gifts from me, <laughs> think again. <laughs> Billions of pieces of mail pass through the post office between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Maybe that's why. Is anybody else having interruption in their postal service? I think there's been days where we haven't even gotten any because this time of year we get mail every day and we've had days where nothing has come huh i very well most likely am <laughs> huh yeah they're short staff yeah I, i've read the reasons in the newspaper but it still doesn't make me happy because i've ordered some things that i'm hoping will come before christmas uh there are some places that have even renamed their towns in honor of Christmas. There's the North Pole, Alaska. There's Santa Claus, Indiana, and Rudolph, Wisconsin, and Dasher, Georgia. So just some of the things that happen, all because of this holiday that we celebrate called Christmas. All this hype and overindulgence can lead to dangerous conclusions. Alongside the rise of Christmas cheer is also a rise in suicide rates. Among the trees and mistletoe are those suffering from depression and anxiety. Christmas celebrations mean an excuse to indulge in drugs and alcohol abuse. So what exactly are we celebrating? Well, gift buying. Some use Christmas as an excuse to prove how much they love by trying to purchase their way into someone's heart. I hope nobody here is that, but we probably have all known people like that. They aren't very nice. They aren't very kind. They don't really try to have a relationship with you, but they'll try to buy you, buy some expensive gift once a year, you know, to show how much they mean. And of course, we know that that is futile, especially with children. You know, the absent father who, you know, buys lavish gifts for their kids. They don't see him, but maybe a couple times a year, but then they give him a great gift. You know what that child would want? We all know what that child would want. They would like regular contact from that absent parent. Could be a father, could be a mother. They want contact. They want relationship. Our lives, our hearts are built for relationship, not just giving gifts. The other thing we tend to celebrate this year, and you will know this if you watch Hallmark Christmas movies. Hallmark Christmas movies have one plot, and one theme, it's love, it's romance, it's falling in love. And I confess, I love Hallmark Christmas movies. And don't forget um, the kiss. Huh? And don't forget the kiss. Oh, but before the kiss is the interrupted kiss. <laughs> there has to be the interrupted kiss before the real kiss. So some people use this year as an excuse for romance. They fall in love every Christmas as if Christmas was an excuse to hook up. And overindulgence in Hallmark movies may be to blame. Uh, let's hope not, but it very well could be. I mean, you would think that Christmas was only about romance, but I don't know. There's something so heartwarming. And you know, there's not a whole lot to watch out there anymore, is there? 
So at least with a Hallmark movie, I know it's going to be safe. I know the most explicit scene we're going to get is the final kiss at the end, you know. And uh, for some reason, the, the, the settings that these movies are in, the, the sets and the colors and stuff, I don't know. It just It's so wholesome. It just warms my heart every year. And, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm, um, I was won over because it wasn't that many years ago I hated Hallmark Christmas movies and anything Hallmark. You know, I'd walk in the house and the girls would have it on. I'm like, uh, you know, but they won me over. You watch a couple of them and soon you're hooked. So, guys, beware. You know, either just avoid them completely because if you watch one, you'll watch them all. <laughs> and the other thing is if you've seen one, you've seen them all. The other thing we celebrate is mythology. Santa takes center stage this time of year. And for too many families, Santa Claus is the only thing they celebrate. Mythology is the only thing they celebrate. Now, I know there's all different positions on Santa Claus. And some, in fact, you know, I remember my nieces growing up, and my mom had this big picture of Santa Claus on her, her door. And my nieces came up and said, Grandma, how come you have Satan on your door? <laughs> Satan Claus. <laughs> and, you know, there, there are people that are well-meaning, and, and they think Sa Santa Claus represents everything that's horrible. That's not my take. I, neither did we lie to our kids and try to make Santa Claus real. We've always celebrated him as a myth, but a fun myth, a fun cultural myth. All cultures have their myths. And um, I personally think Santa Claus represents Jesus Christ in so many ways. I mean, we attribute to Santa Claus things that only is true about Jesus, right? He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. Those are all attributes of Jesus Christ. And of course, if you've ever read the history of St. Nicholas, he really was a true character and a very uh, kind and benevolent uh, giver. And so um, I personally don't have a problem with people celebrating the myth of Santa Claus. That doesn't mean I want to start decorating our church with Santa decor. And I certainly never want to encourage people to lie to their children. But there's something fun about the mythology, at least in our household. I, we raised our kids that way, and they've turned out okay. So, um, you know, they, they still want their stockings from Santa Claus, of course, even as adults. But... You know, what can you do? Even we believers are in danger of getting sidetracked by overindulgence. And something that we need to be aware of. I mean, it's not, you know, we're not immune as the church of thinking, oh, it's Christmas. And we start to put this pressure on ourselves, don't we? Well, I've got to get this gift or I've got to do this shopping. Got, I mean, so many things we got to do. And oftentimes we, we take very little time to rest in the presence of the Lord and to enjoy the fact that we have salvation because of this event that took place. So where should our eyes be? Should it be on the stuff of this world? That's where everybody else's eyes are, right? This is the time of year where... You know, we, not only do we have to buy gifts, but we have to be entertained. We've got to go to this thing and that thing and the other thing, which is great if you have time and if you enjoy that kind of thing. But again, oftentimes we put way too much pressure on ourselves to do things that don't really need to be done. I'm going to just take an aside and say, 
uh, Deborah and Lacey and I went to a movie on Friday night that I highly recommend. I don't know if you've heard of the movie I Heard the Bells about Henry Wadsworth Longfellow's. It's a song now, but it was a poem, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. And it's about that. And boy, I tell you, what a great movie. Uh, it was so fun to watch the end credits because at the end of the end credits, I want to thank, we want to thank our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for the opportunity to make this movie. You don't see that in ending credits very often. And uh, it really was a beautiful, beautiful movie, so I highly recommend it. And there are fun things to do. Last night I went to a barbershop uh, choir Christmas concert. And my friend Rick Nelson, some of you know him. He's been to some of our events. We, we did a combined church thing a few years ago. Um, he's in a, 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 a barbershop choir, and uh, they do a Christmas show every year. And it's, it was really fun to go to that. Deborah and I are planning, and, De- and Lacey are planning on going to, uh, next week there's a, uh, the Spokane Symphony is doing a, a Christmas thing. And uh, we're going to go and enjoy that as well. So those kinds of things are fun. But again, we've got to be careful about overindulgence and, and overspending, you know. We start adding up all those extra things we have to do this time of year, and pretty soon uh, we're in debt. And we're not supposed to go in debt at Christmas time. So where should our eyes be? Colossians 3, 1 and 2 says, If then you were raised with Christ... Seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. In this time of year, the whole world is setting their mind on things of the earth. More things to get, more things to do, more opportunities to get drunk and, you know, party. But we are supposed to set our minds always, and especially this time of year, on things above. We're supposed to be thinking about godly things. You know, when I was a kid growing up, there was really much more of an emphasis or at least an awareness of of Jesus Christ this time of year and uh, of celebrating that. It's you almost don't see anything. The only thing you do now that that I, I love about this time of year as you go into the mall, you go into grocery stores, and they're blasting these Christmas carols that are just the gospel, you know. And everybody's humming along, right, you know, or they're pushing their cart, they're paying no attention. But they're getting the gospel this time of year, whether they want to or not. I'm amazed, and I'm sure it will happen at some point. I'm amazed there hasn't been some uh, secular organization that's come against playing Christmas music in stores and malls. It, it'll happen, but it hasn't happened yet, thank goodness. So where should our hearts be this time of year? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Our heart is the seat of our mind, will, and emotions. So we want to make sure that our hearts are right before God this season, not drawn away by the latest Christmas fad or must-have. I mean, are you as amazed as I am at how many times you read stories this time of year of people at Walmart fighting over the last must-have toy of the season? Or probably you probably see it at Costco, Julie, you know, where people start getting so testy. 
you know, here on one hand, this beautiful Christmas music is being piped in the stores. On the other hand, people are fighting over, you know, this, I've got to have this item for Christmas. How pathetic. <laughs> it reminds me of that. Uh, have you seen uh, Christmas with, is it called Christmas with the Cranks? Or, remember that scene where she needs to get that Christmas ham? <laughs> and I mean, you know, that's not too far from the truth, is it? I mean, there's just, people just, it's like, if I don't have the perfect ham or the perfect turkey or the perfect this or the perfect that, if my tree doesn't look just right, if that, you know, Christmas is ruined. Our Christmas angel died last year. And I went to Walmart yesterday looking for a Christmas angel or a Christmas star. They didn't even have, do they still sell those? They didn't have one, not even a display of anything at Walmart. I was stunned. I'm like, so are Christmas angels like passe now? You just don't have one? But you know what? My Christmas is not going to be ruined if we don't get a Christmas angel by Christmas or a Christmas star. Speaking of star, is that one still crooked? Okay. <laughs> So once again, this season in this series of messages, we're asking, what child is this? Isaiah 9.6 says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. These are two specific references. The child, God born into humanity, all humans uh, in humanity to dwell with humans in flesh and blood and to forever live in a body of flesh. Unto us a son is given. The son of God himself came to earth, giving up his eternal throne for a season to identify with his creation and die for them. A child is born, he's one of us. A son is given, he's not one of us. He's eternal. And it goes on and says, And the government will be upon his shoulder. This is a prophecy that is yet to be fulfilled. It speaks of the millennial kingdom that will come. That's what threw off so many Jewish people. They were expecting a conquering king to come as the Messiah. They weren't expecting the Messiah to come the first time as a suffering servant. And his name will be called Wonderful. Those who see him will be full of wonder. How can one so wonderful love a sinner like me? You kind of imagine that's what, oh, his name slips my mind, but the guy that wrote Amazing Grace. Yeah, know his name, anybody off the top of your head? I can't think of it, but he was a slave ship, slave ship uh, captain. No, it wasn't Wilberforce. It was before that. I should know this, but I, it slips my mind. But anyway, here's this man who was a hardened sinner, just like you and I were before we came to Christ. And he wrote those words that he could never have imagined how famous that song was going to be one day. But amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. You know, those of us who truly met Jesus. We were amazed, weren't we, at how wonderful he was, at how beautiful he was. I've said many times, if, if people could just meet the Jesus that I met, if I could just get out of the way and they saw 
the, the Jesus I met in me, they couldn't say no to him. I know I couldn't. And I, you know, I hope that's the cry of your heart too. Lord, let people see you, the, the wonderful, beautiful you in and through me. Because you know what? I think winning people to the Lord would be a lot easier if they saw the real Jesus. But too often times they see, they see Christians as bigoted and judgmental. And we've earned that title a lot of times by what the church has done, said and done. He's also called counselor. When I'm called upon to counsel people, who am I pointing them to? When I go on a chaplain call, as I'm driving there, I'm always praying. And I'm saying, Lord, give me wisdom. Give me understanding. Help me to know what to say and what not to say. And you know what? There is never a right thing to say. There's no perfect counsel for someone who is grieving the loss of a loved one. And so our ministry, we talk about this a lot in our chaplain's meetings. Our ministry is a ministry of presence. Oftentimes there isn't a right thing to say. There's just nothing to say. But just your presence, just being there and comforting them with a hug or you know, just, just being there, it means the world. And it's, that's how we sometimes point people to Jesus. Isn't that how Jesus is in our life? Sometimes he doesn't say a word. He's just there. And just the comfort of knowing that he's there during times of difficulty and hardship is just enough. Just enough to know that he's there. And yet when he does speak, and how does he speak to us? How do you know that you're receiving counsel from the Lord? That's a question that someone just asked me recently. And I said, well, there's, there's three tests that I use regularly to know if I'm hearing from God. The test, of course, is the word of God first. It can't contradict the word of God if it's the word of God to me. The next is the test of having trusted counselors in my life. There are people that I go to when I'm seeking wisdom. And I feel like I may ha maybe have not heard clearly from the Lord. I'll go to those who I trust, who are wise counselors and that are mature in the Lord. And I will go to them and I will ask them to pray for me. And I will ask their opinion on a decision that I might need to make. And then there's the test of, does it agree with my heart? In my heart, in my soul, is there a witness that God is speaking to me, that giving, is giving this to me? And I, and I use all of those things to know that I'm hearing from God when I'm trying to hear his voice. Because in the multitude of counselors, there is safety, is what the word of God says. And so it's good to go to the word of God. But, you know, sometimes the word of God is, can be a little fuzzy on certain things, can't it? We go, well, I don't, you know, this particular decision I have to make, I don't know what you're saying. And so sometimes we go to wise counselors. And then, you know, and, and here's another thing. If you go to a counselor, wise or not, and they're saying something and it doesn't resonate with you. Now, one of the things you have to do is go, Lord, does it not resonate because I'm in rebellion or because I just don't want to receive it? Or is, is there a red flag that I'm getting from you that maybe, you know, 
this may sound good, but it may not be right. And so, you know, it does take real wisdom to know when we're hearing from God. But he is the wonderful counselor. I love that song by Wayne Watson that says, Jesus, he sees you where you are. Oh, Jesus, he heals your deepest scars. All the love you're longing for is Jesus, the friend of a wounded heart. Isn't that a beautiful? That is one of my all-time favorite contemporary Christian songs. And I remember when it came out, the, the background vocals are almost as cool as the lead vocal. And I thought back then, I thought, man, I would love to have been in the studio singing the background vocals for that song for Wayne Watson. I absolutely love that tune. And such a powerful, powerful uh, lyric. <coughs> So he is wonderful, and he's a counselor, but he's more than that. Isaiah said he is mighty God. Right there in Isaiah, he's declaring that the coming Messiah will be God Almighty, the creator of all things. From the highest of heights to the depths of the sea, creation reveals his majesty. If Jesus Christ is God, is there anything else we should be focusing on this Christmas season? Is there anything more important, anything more worthy of our time and attention? And then he goes on to say something that's confusing to some. He says, everlasting father. He's not saying that Jesus Christ is the father and the son. They are two separate persons. Colossians 2.9 says, For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And in Hebrews 1.3, it says he is the express image of his person. Remember, Jesus said, When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The Father and the Son are two separate persons. But the, fun, but the Son is the express image of the Father. And so in that, that is what he means by everlasting Father. The Prince of Peace. How sad that we sing peace on earth, goodwill to men, while many people experience anything but peace this time of year. This can be a very difficult time of year, as I have said in every one of my messages this season. People grow nostalgic for loved ones. Going to be a difficult Christmas for Julie and Deborah and Linda. First Christmas that we haven't had Barb. And it is strange to be in our home and not have her there. In fact, we usually decorate quite a bit. This year, not so much. Our hearts just aren't in it this year. Plus, we're going to be gone Christmas Day. You know, we're going to be celebrating Christmas with our kids. So we put up a tree. We put up some things. You know, the snow hit us so early. I don't know about you, but I usually put up a lot of lights and stuff outside. But... It's too cold, it's too frozen, and I'm so glad I left up the lights from last year. You know, I'm becoming one of those lazy old men that I don't want to take it down after Christmas. And it's great. It's been really wonderful because they're beautiful white lights, and, and they really work all year long. So people grow anxious over money that they don't have to spend on people that they don't even like. Isn't that true? They grow depressed over too many broken dreams. Funny about this time of year, how we can think back on you know, who we thought we were going to be at this season in our life or what we thought we would have accomplished. And 
I don't know, maybe it's because we're coming up towards the end of the year and a new year starting and we're growing older and growing older way too fast, aren't we? And, you know, it's like, boy, I have, I thought I had all this time when I was 25, 30, I was immortal and I had all this time to accomplish all these things. And I look now at, I'm almost 63 and I'm like, man, I don't have much more time. You know, one of the things I've wanted to do forever is I've wanted to record all of my songs that I've written just as a legacy, something that I can pass on to my family, you know, when I'm gone, they'll know that I used to be a songwriter. I still write songs, but nobody hears them anymore. And, uh, you know, it's funny how it's like, oh, I've got all the time in the world to record these songs. Well, I don't have all the time in the world anymore, right? I've got a few more years left. And, you know, I, I'm at the age now where, again, when I was young, well, my fingers worked great, you know, and my voice worked great. And now I'm at that age where I'm saying, oh, there's, there's a shelf life. It's harder to play guitar these days because of arthritis. And I keep telling the Lord, God, you need to take me home before I'm unable to play guitar because I can't imagine living and not playing guitar. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know. It might be dangerous to make those kind of deals with the Lord. But uh, I'm going to keep playing as long as I can. But there are times when it's kind of painful. And, you know, I used to be a pretty good singer. But I, I'm not as good as I used to be. And I know that. And I know... I mean, even Frank Sinatra finally lost his voice. And I'm thinking, there's going to come a time when I'm going to belt something out and it just ain't going to be good. <laughs> and I might have to stop singing someday. But not yet. So we grow depressed over broken dreams or over, you know, the, the limits that we have in our life. But you know what? That is always a wrong focus, isn't it? Because we're not supposed to focus on the things of this world. We're supposed to be focusing on the Prince of Peace. And how do we find peace? Well, we ask God for His peace. <clears throat> Philippians 4, 6, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That verse has, is one of my very favorite verses in the Bible. Uh, something that really stood out to me one day when I was reading it and meditating on it is that it, sa it doesn't, say, doesn't say, try not to be anxious, does it? It's very command-oriented. Be anxious for nothing. And the thing that the Lord revealed to me is if He commanded that, this is the Holy Spirit speaking through Paul, if he commanded that we are to be anxious for nothing, that means we have the capability through the Holy Spirit in us to be anxious for nothing. Which means that when we are anxious, it's because we choose to be anxious. When we tell ourselves, I can't help but be anxious, we're lying to ourselves. We're denying the power of the Holy Spirit in us. Yeah, I get it. The temptation to be anxious is all around us. We never know what Putin is going to do next. In the Ukraine, he's threatening nuclear war. I mean, that, you know, can cause some anxiety. Just the, the blunders of our notorious president can cause anxiety any day of the week. I mean, there's plenty of stuff to be anxious for. My goodness, are the Seahawks going to win today? Man, that can create all kinds of anxiety. And yet the scripture says, be anxious for nothing. Well, how? 
by prayer, supplication. Let all your requests be made known to God. And then receive the peace of God. Receive it. It surpasses all understanding. We are the people that others should be coming to and going, man, why aren't you falling apart? We all are. How come you got it together? We don't have it together. And, you know, we can't go, well, I'm just so spiritual. You know, we can't, we can't, you know, take credit for it, can we? It's the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, which guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Think peaceful thoughts. Stop asking yourself what could go wrong and start meditating on what could go right. Boy, aren't we all guilty of that? And I mean, I'm as guilty as anybody of that. <coughs> I mean, if Deborah isn't home at exactly the time I think she should be home, my mind immediately goes to the worst case scenario. And I mean, it's, it's true with everything, you know. My kids are sick. Oh, my gosh, they're going to die. You know, I mean, it's just... It's just horrible how we can think, and some people are better at it than others. It's a well-honed craft in my mind. But I have to remind myself constantly, don't meditate on what could go wrong. You know, isn't it amazing how many times we start arguments in our mind against people or we think the worst of things that never happen? I was thinking about that today as I was driving into church, and we've, of course we've got Catalyst now right there on the corner. We've got homeless people that are moving in there. And, of course, our neighbors, West Plains neighbors, are very up in arms about this. And there was a big protest out there the day they opened up. And, and there's com- some concern. And I get that. I've been to some of the community meetings, and I get where they're coming from and the concerns they have. But I started thinking, what if none of those things or very few of those things that they're so up in arms about ever happen? What if they just never happen? You know, we get so anxious and so up in arms and argumentative about things that just never, they never even happen. Don't you hate that when you're starting arguments in your mind, you have to confront somebody or you have to have a, you know, a meeting with somebody and you're just thinking all your, in your mind, all these things that are going to happen. Well, they're going to say this and I'm going to say that and this, or, or you've already had the meeting and then you walk away going, well, I should have said this and I should have said that, you know, we, and we create all these things in our mind that just, You know, I go to these meetings sometimes when somebody comes to me and I'll just tell you, you know, when you come to me, say we need to talk. um, uh, Just let me know I have some concerns or or let me know um, it's no big deal. I just want to talk to you about something, because, listen, whenever someone comes to me and says we need to talk, I immediately feel like I'm going to the principal's office. It is the worst feeling in the world. my whole world's about to drop out. And, you know, nine times out of ten, when someone says we need to talk, it's about, uh, we need to talk. Um, oh, yeah, the, the hose outside isn't working, you know. or I mean, it's just something just innocuous. But I'm going like, oh, my gosh, the world is coming to an end. And I bet you do the same thing. But we don't need to focus on what the worst-case scenario every time. We can focus on the peace of God. Amen. Philippians 4.8 tells us whatever things are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, of good report, anything virtuous, anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Now imagine if you just filled your mind with things that are true. And that's what we should be asking ourselves when, you know, something comes in our mind. Is this true? In fact, I just was reading something and I won't be able to get this the exact quote. 
But someone came to, I can't remember if it was Socrates or Plato, and they said, I've got some news to you, uh, some, some news about a friend of yours. And he said, wait, before you tell me, is it true? Well, I don't know if it's true. I just heard it. Is it helpful? Well, no. And then he asked one other thing. I can't remember. But it was all about, huh? Is it necessary? Yeah, it could have been necessary. Well, no, it's not necessary. Well, then I don't need to hear it. I don't need to know. You know, and so we need to ask ourselves as our mind starts to work against us, is it true? Is what I'm meditating true? Are these thoughts noble? No, what are noble thoughts? I don't even know, you know, what do you meditate on, you know, the princes and kings and queens of the world? I don't know. What are noble thoughts? Meditate on King Jesus. That would be a noble thought. Just Things that are pure. How many impure thoughts come into our mind every day? Don't, don't answer. <laughs> More than we want. Lovely things. Things are of good report. Aren't you excited? Don't you just feel good when you've gotten a good report? Either for yourself or for somebody else. You just feel good. It's so great to hear a good report. Virtuous. Praiseworthy. If we just spent time meditating on these things... We would have very little time to think negative thoughts, wouldn't we? So the question is this. What child is this? Well, this Sunday, he is the Prince of Peace. And so my prayer for you today is that you go from this place in peace. I put that sign peace as people enter in so that they sense peace the minute they come into this place they sense that this is a place of peace a place of rest and I hope that you leave this place today in peace not temporal peace not peace that you create for yourself but the peace that surpasses all understanding the peace that will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus all week long regardless of what the news might be this week who knows? Something fantastic might happen in your life this week. But even if it doesn't, even if it's just a normal work-a-day week, or even if this is a week where you get some bad news, do you know that you can still function in the peace of God? You can still have the peace of God. He is our Prince of Peace. Let's close in prayer. Your word tells us, Lord, that you are our peace. And you've broken down the wall of division. You ripped the curtain between the holy place and the holy of holies. And you've given us full and complete access into that place of perfect peace. You invite us to come boldly to the throne room of grace. You're a God that contains more grace for us than we can ever imagine. You're a merciful God. You're a patient God. And you're a God who thinks good things towards us every day. Your thoughts towards us are thoughts of peace, thoughts of goodness. Lord, once again, I want to lift up Lacey to you and, and all those who uh, couldn't be here today because of sickness. Lord, I pray that you'd touch them and I pray that you would fill their hearts with peace. 
We thank you, Lord, that we can gather here in your name. And Lord, as we start out this week, we commit this week to you. Whatever may come, Lord, we commit it to you, knowing that our lives are in your hands. We pray all these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you for coming. Have a great week, and may the Seahawks win. Thanks for joining us today. LifeSprings Ministry is made possible through the generosity of people like you. To learn more about today's message, visit us at lifespringsfellowship.com. You can also join us Sunday mornings, 1030 at 4213 West Garden Springs Road in Spokane, Washington. Also, you can find our daily devotions on Facebook. See you in church.